I'm Alyssa. I'm Alyssa. I'm not Alyssa. And I'm not Alyssa. And welcome to 52 Women, the official podcast of the Montgomery County, Maryland chapter of the National Organization for Women. So we have a special guest this evening. Um, It is our Action Vice President, Stacy. We will let her introduce herself. (laughs) Hi, I'm um, a transplant from Louisville, Kentucky. I've been up here about 20-something years. I was uh, active with NOW. I joined NOW in 1985. So we had uh, a big chapter in Louisville, and then I was president of Kentucky NOW. And we had a whole lot of fun there for 10 years fighting the good fight. We're really excited to have you. Thanks for coming. Thanks for having me. So exciting. All right. So to follow up on our last podcast, which was choppy thanks to the shenanigans that happened in the Senate, um, the Senate voted down the skinny repeal, whatever the hell they were trying to do that night. Um, Lisa Murkowski of Alaska, Susan Collins of Maine really, like, held it down. They carried it forward. You know, we'd like to say that... That was thanks to the women. John McCain gets an honorable mention. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Despite what all the media outlets were saying that, oh, John McCain saved the day. Like, those two ladies were were towing the line the entire time. They didn't change. They didn't waver. And John McCain, I guess, has some sort of glimmer of a soul left and decided to jump on the bandwagon. Um, So, yeah, that's dead. It seems like things might calm down for a while. There are a few bills that are popping up to fix the Affordable Care Act. So Senator Cardin from Maryland released something a few days ago that's that's pretty comprehensive, um, geared towards fixing the exchanges, fixing a lot of things. And then there's what they are calling the Problem Solvers Caucus in the House. 20 Democrats, 20 Republicans, so a true bipartisan effort. And they're working on a bill. So I think, I mean, I'm optimistic at this point. Um, but, you know, things change. Uh, <laughs> things, you know. There are, there are women in the room this time, though, right? Yes. Yes, there are women in the room. Yes, there are women in the room. They've apparently been meeting for quite some time quietly. And I like to speculate because they like to do things behind Paul Ryan's back. But I don't know if that's true. That'd be awesome. <laughs> back to the senators. What The third woman senator from West Virginia, was she a part of it or not? So Shelly Moore Capito. Um, we she, called her from the podcast. Yeah, she let us down. Yeah, she let us down. She let like, us down. She was a hard yes since then. And it was just, I, I don't know. You know, they they said they threw in a lot of opioid money and maybe that swayed her, but... Oh, she changed her vote. Yeah, she changed her vote. Um, But there's a lot of people saying that they're not... This probably did some damage to them for 2018, Um, specifically Dean Heller in Nevada. So, yeah. Too bad for you. Yeah, sorry. Picked wrong. Um, But, you know, a few... And a few weeks ago, we had talked about Kentucky, like how the situation in Kentucky was that the people in Kentucky really liked the exchanges. And it was an example of how they didn't know what they were on was the Affordable Care Act. And then things kind of like went downhill. And Stacey, I know you've been talking to the president of now in Kentucky now, right? (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, no, but back when I was in... uh 
in now in Louisville, uh, we helped elect a former now president of Kentucky State, Louisville and Kentucky now to the state house. Um, so people were really afraid of her when she went to Frankfurt and a, a lot of them found that she wasn't, you know, the devil incarnate. <laughs> and uh, It's funny how that works. Yeah, but um, she's been there 22 years and has uh, done a lot to hold back anti-choice legislation and and work on health care. She's actually a retired registered nurse, a kidney disease program. Um, but, um, and Kentucky, we held the House, the Democrats held the House in Kentucky until last year. We were the only Southern legislative body that was still Democratic. And um, we lost a lot when that happened. So before that, um, Steve Bashir was a longtime Democrat progressive that we supported in various elections. He was elected governor in uh, 2011, and we had the Democratic House and Republican Senate. And once uh, the Affordable Care Act was passed, he uh, and Cabinet Secretary Audrey Haynes, who um, is a great one as well, uh, put together one of the top health care exchanges in Kentucky. And, um, and it was awesome. Uh, a lot of poor folks in eastern Kentucky, coal miners who lost their jobs, not because of, you know, green energy or the evil Democrats, but, you know, because <laughs> coal is no more. And not to mention all the uh, meth heads throughout the state. So 600,000 people got in health insurance, Medicaid expansion, and uh, then a mini Trump was elected governor four years later. He's up for election 2019. And uh, Dems are not always effective in Kentucky. You know, they're afraid to come out and state, take positions, like, unlike Mary Lou. But, uh, but that, and that doesn't do them well. You know, if you try to pretend like, you know, you're, okay to the Republicans, they're going to elect a Republican. But anyway, I'm going on too long. Uh, <laughs> this is an exciting, um, the 6th District is, has this Amy McGrath who's going to run, right, yeah. as the Democrat, the former fighter pilot? I don't Kentucky? know. Yeah. In Lexington, huh? Mm-hmm. I yeah. don't know. Mary Lou, I have to check on that. That's awesome. It's she, yeah. Her ads came out in the last few days, right? Yeah, her ad is amazing. Yeah. We should post the link to it. It's so good. Cool. It's, that's a cool ad. Yeah, she's um. Yeah, she's a, she was a marine and she fought. She flew F-18s. Mhm. Mm yeah, Lexington should be um, a Democratic seat as well, and um, but unfortunately, a lot of rural areas. So uh, the only Democratic. Uh, member of Congress is in Louisville, John Yarmouth, and he's a great guy. But uh, the new governor dismantled the health care exchange, so uh, all the Kentuckians have to go to the federal exchange without any Medicaid uh, existence for health care. Yeah, and what are the politics like in Kentucky? Is it, is it so driven by, by um, social politics that they would have a tough time ousting McConnell even though he's trying to dismantle health care or is it a place where maybe that would matter? 
there is absolutely no chance of getting McConnell or Rand out of office. Allison Lundergan Grimes um, ran against him last time, and uh, we really had high hopes that she would win. You know, Bill Clinton was there, families are close, and, um, you know, there are enough... Uh, orange people in the state that uh, <laughs> they love McConnell. Interesting. I remember at one of our meetings you were wearing a pin or a button that said Ditch Mitch yes. from back when he was running for like what state house or something? Well he um, state senate? He's from Louisville and he started out as county judge. Okay. And oh, um, <laughs> that's before the city and county merged government so he was county judge and then I think he just jumped right to Senate. He didn't go to Frankfurt, I don't think. Yeah. Okay. I try to block that from my memory. <laughs> Special <laughs> rules for turtles. But that was the perennial uh, campaign slogan against him. Was Ditch, Ditch Mitch, Mitch, yeah. yeah. Um, apparently in the Senate now, um, certain senators are trying to take majority leader from him. And I don't know if it's more than Ted Cruz, but Ted Ted Cruz lost his job. <laughs> oh, so I don't know if which like, would be worse. Which would be worse? Yeah. Well, they'd be more incompetent with Ted Cruz. So I mean, McConnell is just a devious. <laughs> Nobody likes yeah, Ted McConnell Cruz. McConnell is smart as a whip. He's yeah. Right. I mean, but that's the thing. Apparently, Ted Cruz is super smart. It just doesn't like maybe it's book smart. Uh, yeah, he was. Um, <laughs> He was a uh, college debate champion, like, four years uh-huh. in a row. Like, the guy's got, like, brains. It's just he puts it in the wrong place. I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, college was a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And then, the so, the thing to remember, um, or, well, I'll go back to that. So, the thing with the exchanges, I think a lot of, states are having the same issue that Kentucky has and that's all of this legislation that's coming out now and it's not just the Democrats putting it forward like there there was another bill and forgive me I cannot remember who put it forward but there were two there was a Democrat and there was a Republican and it's not Lindsey Graham's bill which I hope is dead um, but they're trying to shore up the exchanges they're trying to um, I don't know if anyone's seen the news where Trump keeps saying I'm not going to pay insurance companies I'm not going to pay the insurance companies like what that is is their cost sharing subsidies so the so the United States government committed to help the cost of some of these insurance premiums so there's money they have to give to the insurance companies to to pay for the subsidies and Trump is saying he's not going to give the insurance companies the money which is directly relating to the premiums going up because there's no stability so um in multiple, in many of these bills, there's provisions that would make those cost-sharing subsidies permanent, so we don't go through this. Um, so there's that. So that's a good thing. Um, that maybe it would help alleviate some of the issues some of these states are having. Um, but then the other thing to keep in mind, which will transition us to our next item, is that the sticking point for Collins and Murkowski was Planned Parenthood. They both said that they would not support any legislation that got rid of Planned Parenthood or, or did anything to Planned Parenthood. And both of them have received standing ovations as they've come to their home states. Like, 
people appreciate this and it makes you wonder why the hell the Democrats are now saying we're not going to have a pro-choice litmus test. Yeah, so um, I am. I hope this doesn't sound weird. I'm calling from vacation. I'm on the phone in case anybody can't tell. And if they didn't make me sit in a separate room and shout from down the hallway. <laughs> <laughs> We're going high tech this week. <laughs> I'm super sad that I didn't get to we have like a ritual of snacking together right before chatting and I'm very sad that I'm like eating a marshmallow alone in like a bed in a cabin in Tennessee while you guys are having delicious treats together. Yeah, um, Jenny Rose made zucchini but, bread. I know, zucchini bread. Oh, it's so good. Um, but the, I, I was telling everybody an anecdote before, so I'll just share it, um, that I was called by the DCCC today um, by the way, if you're getting 10 million calls from an unlisted number and ignoring them, and then you're getting new carpeting installed in your house and you answer the phone because you think it might be the carpenters, it's not. It's the teacher. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> and what they want you to do is give them money. <laughs> you can give money um, to candidates around the country. And uh, I asked them about the new, um, new sound love for politicians who are anti-choice um, by the Democratic Party. And they told me that there will be no witness test, that it's up to the members how they decide to vote on those things. They're just collecting funds so they can fund campaigns. And I said, well, I could give money independently to individual campaigns via GoFundMe or any of these other things that pop up on social media, if there's someone I really want to support outside of my state, I don't really need the DCCC to do it for me anymore. I have this awesome way to donate individually to people who I think would be great candidates in places outside of my own district, um, and it's not hard for me to find out about them. So I, I appreciate that the DCCC does a, a lot of work and that you need funding for candidates and that you need funding for the DCCC, but I'm not giving you any money. Um, until you guys take a hard stamp on uh, requiring that candidates who you fund are pro-choice. Um, and she said, okay, well, do you want to talk to someone else? And I said, no, just make a note of it. I'm going to say the same thing. <laughs> just make a note of it. Um, so I, I guess, we should definitely rant about it, <clears throat> but I also just want to um, give some perspective from with Inside Maryland. There's a Rewire article that's from back in April. We'll post it. I have a link to it. Um, and it's talking about Larry Hogan, who is an example. He's not a centrist Democrat. He's a centrist Republican. Um, but he's an ex he's an, was an example before anybody knew the Dems were going to say this. He was an example for this article of uh, somebody who is one party in a state usually controlled by the other party, um, in this case a Republican in a blue state, um, who maybe personally feels one way but promises not to change anything a different way to please the people in the state. So in this case, Larry Hogan says, takes the official position, I am personally pro anti-choice but I will my legislation won't I won't push legislation 
that changes anything in terms of access to abortion, access to contraception, access to Planned Parenthood in the state of Maryland, as long as I'm the governor. Um, and so I guess to some people this seemed good enough. Um, we, as we've talked about on the pod before, a lot of um, expansion of access and protection of rights has happened in Maryland um, since Hogan has been governor. He hasn't signed any of it. Um, and in fact, uh, Rick um, Madaleno, who's going to run for governor, um, who at the time uh, this article was written in now, the state senator, um, told the Washington Post that he's been sad with Hogan's decisions not to sign the bill. Um, he says that, you know, it's great that Congress is willing to stand up and fight for these things and protect access in Maryland, but basically, why doesn't the governor support it? He should be supporting it. Um, whether he personally, um, how, however he personally feels in his own bedroom and his own personal life, he should he should be supporting it as governor of Maryland. Yep. And, and I think it's important to give people perspective that these people exist, right? Like Tim Kaine has said, when Tim Kaine was governor of Virginia, he said the same thing. He said, I'm personally pro-life, I'm a Catholic, but... I'm not going to restrict a woman's right to reproductive health care. And not only did he not, like, he didn't do what Hogan is where he's just like, I'm not going to let it get any worse. I think as Tim Kaine has moved on to the Senate, he's shown that he will protect and help advance while he still has those feelings. And Joe Biden's another example. So we're not asking too much. Right. (laughs) Like, we're not. And Hogan is pro birth control. He, he did sign the legislation that Maryland put forth on birth control, expanding birth control access and, and reducing costs and all this stuff. He did sign that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's specifically um, abortion that he won't sign. But, you know, the, the thing is that um, it's, right, it's, it, in this article they use the term inextricably linked, right? That it's it's inextricably linked to everything else. Yep. Yeah. So if you say you're anti-choice, you're not just saying, I I feel that life begins at conception and this is what, you're not just talking about one woman's right to have a private moment with her doctor and make a decision about her own body, which is already vile that someone would try to have an opinion about that and, and force anything on anybody. But then you're talking about her the woman's economic status, how she makes money, how whether she can keep her job, whether she's tied to a guy who, you know, maybe she's married to him, maybe she just met him, maybe he's a guy who's abusive, maybe he's a very nice guy and she just doesn't want to have a baby. Whatever the thing is, you're changing her entire life, not just around this individual pregnancy, but around her economics and around her relationships and around all the decisions that she's making in her life. And it's to look at it as one moment of ending a pregnancy or not is small-minded and short-sighted. And and I just, again, I know I said this last week, but like a man who has no reproductive system should really just get out of the way. Well, you that's know, why I like, you know, pro. we can use pro-life for someone like Tim Kaine. Yeah. And, you know, more often Democrats than Republicans because they support, you know, as long as they're not trying to take away abortion yeah. rights. But they are taking care of children and they are 
supporting all the legislation that we would support. Life continues beyond conception. The anti-choice yeah. folks. <laughs> yeah. So we talked about last week. Yeah. And, and yeah, those people are not. Well, the anti-choice people are not pro-life. That's yeah. right. As much right. as they and want to I claim they are. I'm not sure I understand what the Democrats... Like, it's not just, like, a base issue. Like, unless what you're going to say is all women are your base. Uh, <laughs> I mean... It's not, just, it's not just a small, like, oh, the base, they're going to go with us anyway. And I, right. I feel like that's the attitude of the Dems. Yes. Not all of them, but the... But the party establishment right now is, well, women are going to vote for us anyway. Who are they going to vote for? Donald Trump? Well, and... If we, you know, and so that's, they have that, those people yeah. still make laws. They still make yeah. decisions. Like, you're putting in bad candidates for the group of people who support you most. Yeah. Well, and apparently you can go from statewide judge to... <laughs> yeah, senator. No, county <laughs> judge. <laughs> yeah. So that matters. And, uh, oh, sorry. Go ahead, Stacey. I'm sorry. I've seen too many Democrats, you know, even from Kentucky, try to be moderate and not afraid to say you know they're pro-choice and all that so when you're trying to pretend or try to be in the middle you know they don't get the support of the progressives and they don't get the republicans who would just vote for a republican if that's the choice you're giving them so it's really such a waste and Mm -hmm. well and i think that's what they're trying to do they're listening to our favorite man oh, aside from paul ryan as Alyssa says the worst mansplainer ever bernie sanders who is saying we need to step away from identity politics and focus on economic issues where apparently nobody freaking told him that reproductive health is an economic issue for a women. major one yeah like a big one because if you get pregnant and have to have the baby and have to drop out of college or have to like can't work anymore like you, you now have an economic issue. Or so. even if you are working and you have multiple jobs, that's in a huge expense. Yeah. yeah. But he doesn't understand. And we don't take care of, of children in this country. Making is around women. It's all around women. Like, yeah. you have to carry the baby. You have to terminate the pregnancy if that's your choice. You have to have... I mean, like, it's entirely us. Everything about it is us. And to have a man explaining... Oh. I, that's not a big deal, is infuriating. Yep. And that we lost. Especially a so-called progressive like Bernie. Yeah. yeah. We, we lost because of our focus on identity politics. And I just, so I read this today. I didn't realize that when Hillary was in the third debate and she came out and like told the story about the abortion, I didn't realize that was like the first time yeah. she ever said it that strongly. Like, I'm pretty sure that moment right there wasn't the reason we lost the election. Like, pretty <laughs> sure. Nope. Yeah. Well, and I also think that identity, poli- identity politics aside, whatever Bernie's talking about polarization and all that other stuff, the, the Democratic Party still needs to have an identity. Yeah. And part of the Democratic Party's identity is equal rights for women. 
I mean, reproductive rights. I mean, I just can't. That was in their platform. Last year, it was in their platform. Unwavering support for reproductive freedom. And now they're like, whatever. And also, everything that Bernie wanted was in the platform. And he's still bashing us, so. I can't, I can't. There, what, what? Stacey, what was the headline you and I tweeted out? Like, Bernie said some, Bernie says liberals can't trust Democrats. And my response was, should I trust them more or less than I trust Bernie Sanders? Like, yeah. it's super easy to say ide- you shouldn't worry about identity politics when you're a rich white man. Yep. And he is a rich white, a man. Rich white man. I mm-hmm. don't care if Hillary is richer. He is still rich. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, and I, I tweeted out there was um, a headline today from... Um, uh, Mike, and it was, uh, the headline was Kamala Harris, a rising Democratic star faces a problem. (laughs) The Bernie wing of the party is skeptical of her. Um, Because she's not. Oh, the mic, M-I-C. The mic, yeah, not Mike. I was very confused. I was like, who is Mike? Are they skeptical because she's not a white man? Like. Um, and Shannon Watts, who's, uh, the founder of um, Mom's Demand, and she's a board member at Rise to Run and all these other places, uh, she retweeted it and said, Bernie Sanders, a non-Democrat, faces a problem. Yeah. Exactly. In black of party, voters are women of color. Yep. Yeah. Bernie um, wants everybody yeah, so to like, kiss his the ass. Power. They're trying to, they're all <laughs> trying to manipulate us into thinking we don't have the power, but we do. Hold on, I want to hear the end of the rest yeah. of that statement. <laughs> Bernie just thinks everyone ought to kiss his ass and suck up to him and, you know, because he's the god of everything progressive. And, you know, it's just crazy. Yes. I'm crazy. I, he's, <laughs> I don't, I think he's such a phony progressive. Yes. Because he's not progressive on social issues. No. He's not. Right. against the Brady. Period. Yeah. The end. That yeah. was the, so Bernie. Bernie, <laughs> shut the fuck up. Please. <laughs> So Bernie or Barney Frank, who was a senator in Vermont before he retired and is from my hometown, he came like I guess Bernie pushed him too much during the twenty sixteen primary. Like Bernie was saying too much and finally Barney Frank came out and said, I'm supporting Hillary Clinton because this guy doesn't work with anyone. It's either yes. his way or the highway, and that's why he never has any co sponsors on legislation. He like you have to do everything the way he wants it. Otherwise, he doesn't want to have anything to do with you. Now he's training, like, millions of people oh. to do the same thing. Like, yeah. Follow oh. him and, Young like, be that way. Young no. white men. And, oh. And going back to the Democrats, because <laughs> I'm still mad about it. Mm-hmm. Like, they want to grow their base, but if they leave out, or if they sacrifice only on this one thing, they can go fuck right off. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I don't care. I agree. I, they don't yeah. have a base. They don't have any anything. Women are aren't women their base? I've never yes, voted. That's what I thought. Women, women have their done base. all the freaking uh-huh. work. I've <laughs> never <laughs> voted for a non-democrat, but I'm like waiting for the day women like they have in the UK just say fuck it all and start their own party. <laughs> yep. Let's do yeah. it cuz we've got the I national women's party. I don't <laughs> trust them anymore. They they yeah. don't they're Tom not Perez has sucked up to Bernie from nope. the beginning, and Bernie dissed him right on CNN, sitting right next to him. I'm not a Democrat, you know. And uh, why does he get to have a voice then? 
He's not a Democrat. Exactly. Leave him out of the party. Exactly. Bye. They're so worried that the Bernie bros are going to go somewhere else. And I got news for him. The Bernie bros already voted Trump in. So yes. what else What else could possibly happen? Why do we happen? want to have anything to like, do with them? If, if they would, you know, they... Which they I know. I know there's yeah. no numbers to back up my claim. I know. For this... <laughs> I know. It's how I feel well, you know, in my no, heart. They voted third party, and that was a vote for Trump. Yeah. And because of their, his, Bernie's outsized ego, and um, that's why Hillary lost, one of the big reasons why Hillary lost. Yeah. And the Russians. Yeah, and there might be no, there might be no, <laughs> not a backup yeah, to the bros voting, whatever. But there's data to back up that, like, women of color did their damn job. In the yeah. Yes. Was it like 94% <laughs> yeah. of black women voted for Hillary? Yep. And they've yep. been the base of the Democratic Party yeah. for a very long time. Yes. Fuck these 54% white women. <laughs> right. I had to, like, sign off Facebook today because someone talked about the Dow going up and saying... Money talks and bullshit walks. Ha- hashtag MAGA. And I'm like, I gotta, I gotta go for a walk. I gotta, no, you know I gotta go for a walk. <laughs> it's gonna crash again. Tying your presidency to Wall Street numbers has got to be the single dumbest strategy anyone can employ. I'm pretty sure George that W. Bush and Obama down can again. tell you that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I, I can't. Well, speaking of McConnell, if I could do one more little rant. Mm, um, go for it. You know, the whole <laughs> health care repeal that they were pushing through was really their uh, effort to get tax cuts for the wealthy. Mm-hmm. They had that hidden in there. Yeah. And now that they can't get that done, McConnell said today they're going straight for tax reform and the tax cuts for the wealthy. I mean, it's obvious after Obama put in 85% of the Bush tax cuts, made them permanent, and now we're going to cut more because they didn't have an... I don't, like, and that's the thing, like, they they talk in this alternate reality, which, if anyone has seven minutes, watch the Stephen Miller exchange from the White House press conference. He is scary. He's like a senior White House advisor. He's, He's... he not, hates women. He hates women. He hates anyone who's not white. He is frightening. But that exchange was hilarious because um, Jim Acosta just kept yelling at him. But anyway, um, like they don't, like facts don't matter. Like facts don't matter. Like you said, like those tax cuts, pretty much all of them were permanent. But they will go on about how Obama was the devil for yes. the rich people. And it's yes. like. No, wait, he was pretty moderate, guys. Mm-hmm. Like, But he they, did all that, and he didn't get anything for it, you know. And now... We will tell our children about you, Obama. <laughs> <laughs> we will. Um, but, yeah, I... There... I, I, I just... I will laugh, however, if Ted Cruz becomes the majority leader. I will laugh. And then cry. But I'll laugh. I don't think that will happen because everyone hates him. Everyone hates him. Yeah, I was going to say, you become majority leader and then nobody will vote for any of his bills. Yeah. McConnell will see him dad first. Yeah. That's probably true. Uh, Yeah, McConnell has like a hundred lives. There's no way this is it. Well, turtles live a very long time. Yeah, they do. Tortoises live a very long time. I think this is the second um, time you made that joke. I think I made that joke one time. Oh, did you? <laughs> I think I did. 
Because you meant you, yeah. Call him a turtle. I know. That's why I made that joke. I just, oh, yeah. The running theme of this podcast. <laughs> um, I just wanted to also say about the um, the healthcare stuff, about the pro-choice stuff that um, our pack is going to be activated soon, which is separate from the chapter, but also as a chapter to decide. Um, who gets endorsements from us and who does not. Um, we got a litmus level. test. Yeah, we, we do. We have a litmus test. <laughs> and yeah, we people do. are jumping um, up to take that our litmus test. Value. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and, and reproductive rights is one of those six um, values. So it's, it's, we, if you see that we have endorsed somebody, it means that that person has committed to a... Um, pro-choice um, candidacy and hopefully get selected. I told my uh, f- feminist friends in Louisville that all four of the candidates for the Democratic congressional seat primary sent out mailings that said they were pro-choice on them, loud and proud, and they just, like, they can't imagine. <laughs> <laughs> whole nother reality yeah and i wonder like how no one's handling this well right like no one it seems like schumer pelosi and bernie are the only ones who are on board with this so i don't know who they talk to ahead of time um but like i wonder if they're gonna change their mind based on everyone screaming about it because it just hasn't it hasn't been received well at all. We gotta get, get yeah. scre- We gotta keep screaming, and we gotta get now screaming. Yeah, we do. There's a article that came out earlier today. Today's Wednesday. What's today? Wednesday. August second. Yeah. 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 August second. <laughs> um, can't keep my day straight. Um, it's a uh, about a bunch of progre- progressive groups that issued a statement of principles on abortion rights. Um, so it was, uh, drafted by NARAL Pro-Choice America and one other group and a bunch of other groups have signed on, like Emily's List, who, um, if you don't know, they only endorse, uh, pro-choice Democratic, uh, candidates, women. Um. They don't do Republicans. No. No, only pro-choice Democratic women. Um, Planned Parenthood, um, a bunch of other progressive groups move on, um, Etc. So we'll post a link to that. Um, but at least some progressive groups are, are pushing back on this ridiculous. In a timely manner. Yeah, in a timely yeah. manner. I mean, yeah. well, I mean it's, and it's not just Schumer and Pelosi. It's the, you know, it's the head of the DCCC. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, so, I, can't, I yeah. can't say his okay. name. Well, he's a man. Yeah, he's a man. So it's just to point that out. Yeah. What's Tom Perez saying? Um, not much, and I and and a lot of people want him to say something. Olujan went on record and said that he, you know, this is people are acting so surprised. This is how it's always been. I talked to Rahm Emanuel before I even did this because you know he had a fifty-state strategy, and you know, I don't know. I, I in a way, I sometimes think it becomes more for them about um, the the competitive nature of winning all 50 states instead of focusing on how we can best help people and like i get it like i in in my perfect world in a utopian society things would be bipartisan like i you know 
I liked John McCain's speech last week, however sincere or not sincere it was, about how there needs to be compromise. And I think we should look to have at least representation of both parties in, in all of the states, but you have to have principles. And this is one of our principles. Like, abortion is legal in this country. It is a medical procedure, as we talked about several times. It is necessary, whether it be for someone's mental or physical health. It's a medical procedure that's between a woman and her, her doctor and medical professionals. And they, and what they've done in this country, Kentucky has one abortion clinic left. Yeah, um, they. We've got the last one going to court. One was closed because. It was a doctor's office, and, and they made up all these other restrictions. Yeah. The other one is there is nothing you can say against the clinic as far as the regulations, and they're going to court, and Operation Rescue's latest version is out there, and I think I'm going to have to go out there Monday, uh, Friday morning when I get in town. But we are on track, Kentucky is to be the first state without a clinic. I mean, you hear a lot about Mississippi, but it could happen in Kentucky first. And it and that's horrifying. Because like if so, well, I'll use myself as an as an example. I would have the means to drive to another state. Like I could drive, I can get in my car, I can afford a tank of gas, I could drive to another state. I'm very privileged in that regard. I'm very lucky. Not everyone has that. Some of these women you know, it's shaky if they can afford the actual procedure because it's expensive. It's egregious. So by that right, we need we need the Democratic Party, or we need a party, if they don't want to screw them, look out, to protect that. Like, this is a fundamental right. It, it's a human rights issue, is what it is. And, right, and people, and, and women will, like, I mean, frankly, even if it, even if, Every single state in the United States of America stopped performing, stopped allowing abortions to be performed. We, uh, a lot of us, the, the four of us, have the financial capability mm -hmm. or with help from family or whatever to go somewhere else. It's mm -hmm. not, an abortion, we know, it doesn't go away because it becomes illegal. Mm -hmm. It becomes right. dangerous and it becomes deadly. And the people who are going to die on tape folding tables and, you know, the way they used to are not going to be rich white women. That's not how it's going to go down. It's going to be poor women and women of color who are so desperate um, to have the abortion that they're willing to risk <clears throat> what may happen if they have an illegal abortion. And, the, you know, it's not just going to be that they have to have children and that they end up getting, you know, are, have all these economic burdens and all this other stuff, which is a possibility, but another possibility is death. Yeah. I mean, there was that, I think it was an article in the New York Times this week that said, if we, if we care so much about mothers, why do we let them die? We have the mm -hmm. highest maternal mortality rate right. than any quote unquote first world country. Like we're, we're awful when it comes to maternal health. So again, going back to the pro-life quote unquote, if we care so much, like, why don't we do anything? And that's Right, and that, and that article is actually, um, it's in the New York Times, and it cites a, um, a ProPublica um, publication about um, lost, called Lost Mothers. 
um, with statistics like an estimated 700 to 900 women in the United States died from pregnancy-related causes in 2016. And that's an indictment of the health care system we have in this country. Mm -hmm. Yep. Compared to other countries and compared to what we should have based on our economic wealth. Yep. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, and and actually that article has a lot of um, really... um, terrifying statistics and also some comparative statistics between other developed countries. So we'll post that one too. Um, So in 2015, um, the UN sent three foreign women to the U.S. to assess gender equality. Mm. And they found that the U.S. was like embarrassingly behind. They were horrified? Yeah, yeah, the, the title of this article... Um, that I'm looking at in the Huffington Post is the UN sent three foreign women to the US to assess gender equality. They were horrified. <laughs> um, so it, it found that the US was like way behind in, you know, not only things like we talk about all the time on this podcast, like the gender pay gap, etc., but maternity care, um, affordable child care, obviously like that. abortion rights and and they, in the uh, the delegate from the UN uh, from Poland who was sent, called anti-abortion harassment terrorism, which that's refreshing to hear because you never hear that from like yeah. the news media. I think the Polish women, when they were threatening to put the anti-abortion legislation in, the Polish women they number one they all walked off their jobs and they took like not a vow of celibacy, but they were like we're not having sex with anyone until you fix this. And apparently that's the way to get things fixed. <laughs> yeah. yeah, here's um, a quote from one of the other delegates. She said, the lack of accommodation in the workplace for women's pregnancy, birth and postnatal needs is shocking. It's unthinkable in any society and certainly one of the richest societies in the world. So like, it's embarrassing that the UN is sending people here, and they're like, the US can't get a grip on basic human rights for women. It's like, get it together. Yeah. Well, I thought we were further along until Hillary faced lost what she, with what she was faced with, you know. And was she, the reason why she's not president, so I am not surprised. Yeah. No, I know. I, I think you're right, Stacey. Like, I, I thought we were so much further along, too. And of all the atrocities that occurred in the last year and, and since this election, it's just, it's just that I, so offensive that not only could people not stop attacking her because she was a woman, but they were willing to elevate this man who is so putrid and anti-woman word. and abusive and just disgusting. It like it, it was worse. I mean, I wouldn't have been happy if they lost to anybody, especially the way they were attacking us for being, you know, crying too much, not crying enough, whatever. Not baking cookies. Don't forget the cookies. Yeah. They were upset about that. Thing. Right. It would have been bad enough, and then 
to have her lose to someone who sexually assaults women and brags about it on on you know to people and we have the record that everyone hears on the news and for people to vote for him anyway it was like and the adulterer the adulterer in chief you know and I knew that so I was telling so I I think our um our Madison now friends have suggested that if I because I have an issue calling that man president and they were like just call him 45 so I grew up outside of New York City so as long as I have a conscious memory I have known about Donald Trump like I think the the way my parents explained divorce to me was when it was all over the news that he was divorcing Ivanka. Like, that's how deep it goes. Ivana. Ivana. Whoops. Well, <laughs> Freudian slip. <laughs> um, so, like, that's part of the reason why I have an issue calling him president because, like, this is a stupid real estate guy that my grandmother would take the, the bus to, like, the Taj Mahal and all that. But it's, like, so, like, ingrained that I'm, like, I don't understand how this happened. Like, I don't, I don't get it. Like, did you guys, like, not go back and look, look, look at local news footage or you just didn't care? Like, I, I don't know. They just didn't care. Not only did they not care, but they were willing to vote for anyone rather than vote for a woman. Yeah. And that, And the fact that anyone, Bernie, anyone, the DNC, whomever, wants to court the votes of people, men, who, and, and white women, who were so turned off by the thought of voting for a woman that they were willing to let Donald Trump become the president of the United States, fuck those people. Oh. Do not court those people. Those people made their bed, lie in it. Let's go court the votes of the people who didn't come out, who we know are on our side, who we can bring out instead of worrying about how we can win back these idiots who couldn't vote for someone with a vagina and so instead made Donald Trump the president of the United States. Yep. And now the fucking Democratic Party wants to be smarmy and, oh, well, let you know, suck up to anybody to, yeah. as if to blame us for the loss. Yeah. You know? How dare yeah. you, win? like, now you see, like, you can't do it. Like, yeah. back away. Right. Yeah. Let us right. handle yeah. it. I actually listened... EB2 is a big fan of Pod Save America. And so oh, I yeah. actually listened to an episode, the most recent one, for the first the first time I ever listened to it. Because Joanne Reed was on. Oh, they did a panel. Yeah. And she was talking about how um, the Democrats are, like, ridiculous for trying to go after these people who, like, don't share all of our values like it's much easier to get the people who agree with you who didn't turn out to vote to go vote than to convert somebody Mm -hmm. like I'm not interested in converting people who aren't good on abortion rights or LGBTQIA rights or you know racial justice whatever go and get the people who didn't show up at the polls who share the same views as as what Democrats should be fighting for. And work or to who help. the voters who were suppressed mm-hmm. go after yeah. voter suppression. Yeah. Go after those kind of things. And don't stop, don't keep talking about, oh, we just didn't talk to the base of the party. Or the, you know. And no, the don't ignore the people. Who, yeah. Gerrymandering. There's a big thing going with the gerrymandering, mm-hmm. like that in North Carolina. Yeah. Well, yes. yes. 
<laughs> but they're, you know, North Carolina, they're saying they gave them notice to redraw the districts. They still haven't done it. And they're like, you need to do it now. Like, that's like, that's what some of these states, and yes, I know Maryland, are so gerrymandered, it's ridiculous. We did manage to elect a Republican governor, though. So. There you go. There you go. <laughs> also due to low voter turnout. <laughs> and Andy Harris. Yeah. We still have Andy Harris. Okay, so going into the inequality um, that women face, and especially women of color, July 31st was Black Women's Equal Pay Day. So it was the time a black woman would have to work in order to make as much as a white man. So starting, you know, January 1st, 2016 to... 17. No, no, no. Starting January 1st, 2016 to, to July 31st, 2017 is how much... I know, because I get confused. <laughs> yeah. So That's I, how much a black woman has to work to earn the same amount of money a white man earned in, in 2016. Yeah. So in one year. more than a year and a half. Yeah. For what yeah. white men earn in a year. So, yeah. yeah. And, and Kamala Harris was tweeting about this, and she tweeted that, um, she said, this is about families. Eight out of every ten black mothers are their family's breadwinner. Uh, they deserve fair pay. So, you know, it's it's when you're talking about a black woman making 63 cents on the dollar to a white man, not only is it egregious and horribly unfair and a terrible injustice, um, but it, it's also causing a vicious cycle of economic injustice for black families when black women are the breadwinner eight out of ten times. It's causing a, it's causing a vicious cycle where... Um, their families can't get out of the poverty that they're in. Uh, and it yeah, has to change. And I would like to use this time again to point out that if we pass the Equal Rights Amendment, apparently this equal pay issue wouldn't be an issue because I think that would be deemed unconstitutional for anyone, again, who's like, why do we need an Equal Rights Amendment? Because we all need to get paid the same. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Right. And For, like what we were talking about last week and every other week, which is that everything that's a, a women's issue is worse for women of color, Latino mm-hmm. women, women with disabilities, every, you know, as you go down, um, usually when we give a statistic, we, on like Women's Equal Pay Day, we're talking about a white woman speaking. Actually, um, the April date is the average. Yeah. I think it was Maria Teresa, um, Teresa Pumar. Who, who said that, um, who posted that, what you're talking about, about all the different women and of all the different ethnicities and how much they make on the dollars demand, like the infographic? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, the dollars, because yeah. I think Asian women make more than white women. Yes. And, and so. Now put that out. On yes, I was going to say, that's a, that, that was originally, I think, out. a now graphic. Yeah. So mm-hmm. we'll post the now one on the yeah. page for this podcast. But speaking of Asian women, I think they're they're trying they're doing some kind of studies to see if that's um, still accurate because I think mm. it's heavily skewed by like women and Asian women in STEM mm. and the medical profession um, and since Asian the label um, covers a broad group of people it's not they're trying to determine if that's actually accurate if it's inclusive yeah. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, in the next couple of years, I'll get some additional data on that. I didn't know that April was an average, though. 
Yeah. Well, I didn't know that's an average. I thought it was just the best we do. <laughs> yeah. No, I was curious about that because I saw the now yeah. uh, percentages. And, um, and, I put up on my computer and then we right. got all the breakdowns. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it was cool because it had, like, the dollar and then the dollar was folded and yeah. it was a nice, yeah. like... Because my first knee jerk was, is this White Women's Day, you know? And then I looked and it's the average, but we should... We don't publicize that, so it kind of gets, you know, people probably think it's the white woman. Gotcha. And then you've got the black woman's yeah. day, and then you've got the, you know, Latina. So, um... You learn something new every day. Communication. I, I think Latina was at the bottom. Yes. Yes. Native American, I think. Yes. Let me see. Here we go. I'm pulling up the now graphic. Oh, no. No, you're correct. Latina is at the bottom. Um... The, what, the, re- the only reason I remembered that was because the woman I'm talking about is the head of Voto Latino, and that I think she was making that point specifically oh, when yeah. she posted it. Yeah. Now, it'd be interesting to see uh, men of color in that graphic, because... There's one that has men of color. There's another one that has the men, the men in there. Mm-hmm. It has black men, it has Latino men, um, Asian men. I think it has Native American men, but there is one, um, I'll try to find it, that has all of that to give you comparison. Yeah, because I think way back when I first saw these kind of graphics, back in the 80s maybe, uh, women were below white men, black men, and Hispanic men. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the women broke down the same way. Mm-hmm. So it could just be interesting to yeah. So um, we're going to go into our Woman of the Week segment. Um, and speaking of black women and economics, um, our Woman of the Week this week is Madam C.J. Walker, who was the first black female millionaire in the United States. Uh, she was born Sarah Breedlove to former slaves in 1867. She was the first of the family's five children born into freedom. She founded and owned the Madam C.J. Walker Manufacturing Company, which was the most well-known and profitable black female-owned business in the early 20th century. Her company produced beauty products for black women, most famously her hair-growing and straightening cream. Um, In the early 20th century, when her company was formed and started booming, fashion was important to many black Americans uh, regardless of class, as it was an outward reflection of their transforming cultural and social status. Um, the early 20th century was basically the first time in U.S. history that black Americans were able to become autonomous, style-conscious consumers, actively choosing how to represent their own bodies. Um, that was especially true during the Harlem Renaissance of the 1920s and 30s. So, Madam C.J. Walker's company kind of fit right into that and and was really big in the decade and a half prior to um, the boom of the Harlem Renaissance. Uh, She started her company as a mail-order business out of Denver in 1905, and after a few years, she and her then-husband began to tour around to promote her products, and she was a super keen advertiser, which worked really well to her advantage. In 1908, she opened a factory and beauty college in Pittsburgh. And in 1910, she moved the headquarters of her company to Indianapolis. 
Uh, before starting her own company, she worked as a salesperson for Annie Turnbow Malone, who also sold hair care products for black women. Uh, this experience learning from someone else before branching out on her own perhaps contributed to her desire to give back to black women. She ran many beauty salons and beauty colleges that provided black women with the skills needed to be employed in the industry. She saw her company as a way, a way to gain respectability for black people and black women in particular and also promote black pride. Her company provided black women the chance to seek and achieve economic independence by creating jobs for them as beauty agents and culturists throughout the country. Her company, which had thousands of employees and sales agents, was by far the biggest employer of black women in the beauty industry. One of the flyers for one of her beauty colleges proclaimed, quote, Open your own shop, secure prosperity and freedom. Um, Madam C.J. Walker died in 1919, and by that time her company was selling over a half million dollars in products per year, mm. um, which was a lot of money back then. Um, I have a fun anecdote. So, uh, my grammar school, elementary school, I believe is what you call it in Maryland, um, we had, <laughs> in our, on our library, we had pictures of famous people, and it had, like, blurbs about, and Madam C.J. Walker was one of those people. Hmm. And when we were talking about who, who to do for our Women of the Week, um, I was like, I remember her like it was just you know I think I think there was a lot of white men in that on the yeah on the wall but I specifically remember her and it told you kind of the backstory in you know probably a third grade reading level but how she was married and she wanted to fix her hair and she wanted to help other people not fix her hair but style her hair in a certain way and I was like oh mm -hmm. that's kind of cool mm -hmm. that's cool so uh, just if you're interested, I believe you can still buy Madam C.J. Walker's uh, beauty culture products. Um, I know you can get them at Sephora. I think the company now is either run by or has some something to some relation to her great great granddaughter. Um, there's at least a biography of Madam C.J. Walker on the company's <laughs> website who was written by, that was written by her great-great-granddaughter. Um, and so. her image adorns a lot of their products. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. she, she um, made sure that she was the only likeness that appeared on her products. Um, back in the early 20th century, a lot of other products that were targeting black women um, used... Uh, images of famous blues singers at the time um, and there was some debate amongst uh, people um, back then about whether or not blues culture was promoting a positive view of um, black people uh, Madam C.J. Walker was on the on the side of that it was it wasn't it was promoting a kind of smutty um, representation. She didn't She didn't like that. Think of that what you will. Um, but that's why she used a different type of advertising than a lot of other similar products at the time. 
And if you Google and then you go to the image, there's a lot of pictures of her products. Like yeah. her product yeah. that she made. Like it's kind of cool. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Fun. Yep. Um, this is not about her, but just related. Um, I don't know if anybody follows Matthew uh, Cherry on Twitter. But he used to be a football player, and now he's a writer-director, and he's working on an animated short film. He just um, did a Kickstarter, and he he got all the money for it um, that he needed to do the film. But it's animated short film, and it's um, about a, a dad who's um, an African-American father trying to do his daughter's hair for the first time. Mm. Um and the little girl in the story, her name is Zuri, and her dad's name is Steven. Um, and I actually donated to it because I thought it was such a cool idea. And it's it, um, geared toward making young black girls feel um, like they see themselves in a film. Um, and they see their own hair in a film and to empower them um, to love their hair just as it is. Yeah. And it's, anyway, it's going to come out eventually, and, and um, I'm sure it's going to be great, but uh, if you just wanted to look it up, it's called Hair Love, and it's kind of related. Cool. Very cool. Yeah. Alyssa, do you want to give us the lowdown on chapter news? Remote yeah, Alyssa. Remote <laughs> Alyssa. <laughs> yeah. You too. You <laughs> too. I can't look at sure. you like I normally uh, do and wink, so. Yeah. <laughs> um. So August 9th, we are going to have our chapter monthly chapter meeting. That's going to be at the Davis Library, um, which is on Democracy Boulevard right near Montgomery Mall. Um, it's at 7.30. So come out. We'll have snacks and drinks, and we'll get to plotting and planning. And also, everybody there. if you're listening and want to bring products to donate to support the girls, We'll be collecting them at the chapter meeting and every other future chapter meeting. Um, we collected a bunch of stuff from last for, from last chapter meeting and last month. We had two bags full of menstrual products to donate and a box and a bag full of bras. So thank you to everyone who donated products. Um, support the girls. I think definitely appreciated it. And yeah, bring your stuff to August 9th. And, and it's a great way to just get involved. I don't know if um, there are any, like, moms out there listening, but it was a great way for me to get my 10-year-old daughter involved. Like, she, I was the one who dropped the stuff off, so she helped me sort um, the bras. They want them sorted by size and stuff when we when we donate them. So she helped me sort. But um, it was just, like, a great opportunity for me to go to the store with my all three of my kids and um, buy the tampons and buy the pads and explain to them that, there are people who don't have the basic things that they need and, and that um, support the girls is collecting these things for these women who need them, um, some of whom are not very much older than my 10-year-old. Um, I know it's, it's just as a mom, it's always hard to find ways to get your kids involved in um, service like that and, in, in, and to give them, to have like a teachable moment with them about something like that. And this is a great way um, if, you're, if you're a parent and considering coming to the meeting or if you have littles around you in your life somewhere it's a great way to get them involved and i would like to thank um two of my i guess their aunt in-laws 
um, for um, both of them. There's two of them, and they've been cleaning out their closets. One, she just had a double mastectomy, so she can't wear bras with wires anymore, and she sent me a, a big shipment. And then um, uh, one of my husband's other aunts from the other side, she's been she's been cleaning out her apartment, and she sent us one, lar one large envelope of bras and just let me know again that she's got another shipment coming so oh so nice yeah, yeah. so yeah. nice of them also in wisconsin so not i think i think annie's in madison and then chris is in waukesha but uh yeah wisconsin helping out awesome. and listening to our pod thank yes. you yeah, thank you madison now shout out to them <laughs> Um, yeah, so we'll have telling me that I need to remind everybody to follow us on social media because every week I forget. Every single time. So, our website is www.mc for Montgomery County, MD for Maryland, now for National Organization for Women, mcmdnow.org. Um, our social media handles are the same. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at mcmdnow. If you want to join our chapter, you can go to mcmdnow.org slash join and join directly from our website. Um, if you want to find the links to all the articles and things we talk about in the podcast, um, you can find that at mcmdnow.org slash 52women. And if you like our podcast, you can rate us five stars on iTunes. It helps us look good and also helps other people find us. So we like to look good, and we like people to find us. So please rate us five stars. If you'd like to leave a comment for this episode, you can say, Tortoises live long lives. Um, so, or fuck tortoises. Or fuck tortoises, <laughs> either one. Um, ditch Mitch, that's a good one, too. I like that one. Yeah, like um, any of those three. Leave a comment, rate us five stars, and we'll be cool. And tweet at us. We, yeah, we like let it. us know you're listening. Someone teach me how to use Twitter, please. 
that's that's for another day. <laughs> Tweet us, leave a comment. You have a suggestion on who you'd like us to feature as our woman of the week? Let us know. That's it. I'm I'm good. I got nothing else. I have no more hand signals or covert messages for any. Okay. Yeah, I thought you were going to say that Jenny Rose was signaling you that it was time to go pack for Montreal. <laughs> no, no, hopefully, it is. Hopefully Alyssa, number one, comes back after she goes to the <laughs> northern wonderland of Canada. Yes, I'm going to Canada. Might try and hide out there. <laughs> Never know. Go say hi to Justin Trudeau. <laughs> Justin Trudeau? Oh, yeah, I might. Yeah. Oh, All right, well, on that note, I'm off to Canada. All right, guys. Thank you. Bye. Bye.